Attack! I require your surrender. If you continue to attack, we will continue to respond. You do realize that you are outnumbered by a factor of 20. You're hanging us out to dry. We need reinforcements. There are larger things here at play than you can possibly imagine. I don't give a damn about the larger things. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. We each have our part to play in history. Yours is happening right now. They're coming! listening to our podcast with Culture Lust. What we do is we pick a random movie on Netflix and we review it. You have myself, Robert, or Griggs as I'm called. Do we have James, the movie Nazi? Don't fucking lie. It's Griggsy Bear. I don't know don't. how many episodes we got to do this. It's All hashtag Griggsy Bear. More importantly, we have Jones. <laughs> more, more importantly, <laughs> what's up, man? That Griggsy Bear shit, man. Got, <laughs> and, the th- and the crazy thing about it is, y'all got people, people we know calling me that shit, man. <laughs> but anyway, all right. So our movie that we reviewed this week is the Seeds of the Siege of Jadotville, 2016, Lord. Jadotville or Jayville, however you want to pronounce it. Jayzville. Yeah, 2016 film. In it, you have an Irish commandant. Pat Quinlan leads a standoff with troops against French and Belgian mercenaries in the Congo during the early 1960s. Okay, so with all of us having affiliations with the military, um, what did you think about the movie when we, when we first picked it, Atkins or James? So I'd already seen it before, right? I was like super stoked when this popped up. And... But when I first watched it, like I said, it was like late at night. It was something to put on. I had no idea what the fuck it was about. So this time coming into it, you know, I put that like culture lust reviewers lens on and checked it out and it stood up man. I still I was I was excited. I really enjoyed it. It was interesting seeing some of the actors, mainly Quinlan, because, you know, he plays Mr. Gray in the Fifty Shades Gray series. I also just got done watching like a miniseries where he's some fucking psychopathic serial killer dude so it's interesting seeing him in this role but yeah coming from the military side of the house um i probably would have fucking decked my general too (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) did you notice who the general was yeah uh what the fuck's his name i can't Uh, Yes. Thrones. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So, what about you, Jones? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I was excited based on how um, James described it last week, um, and just kind of reading it when when we pulled it up. Uh, I've I'm just kind of mad though. Like I I'm mad I've never heard of this movie. Like I would have seen this like 30 times or something by now if I'd heard of it. Exactly. Pretty damn good. That's the same thing I thought. Like um, before, James had already told me, he says, man, you got to check out this movie. You got to check out this movie. And I said, okay, I get around to it. I get around to it. And then, believe it or not, the um, the Ghanaian warlord told me about it too, um, James. <laughs> what? You know, one of I almost spit on my tea. <laughs> we, uh, we used to, well, Greg's probably still works with some, but we used yeah. to work with some people from Ghana. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, so the you Ghanian know one of our co-workers we call him <laughs> we call him the Ghanaian warlord nah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> just because but um yeah he also this dude told had me like about two master's degrees and shit 
And he's he working was, on his PhD now. Yeah, and he's he was a specialist in the army. So I was like, bro, you're hiding from somebody. Like no one just leaves a country <laughs> when they got two master's degrees to join the army. So you're probably like some fucking warlord or some shit that's trying to hide out <laughs> until things cool down back home or something. War criminal, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and the thing is, he's always too calm for the situation that's going on. Like. Because he's like, had bullets fly over his head. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Oh, AD. All right, so, all right. So, well, like I said, um, he had already told me about it. But, like, as soon as the movie started, I says, okay, this reminds me of, um, what was the movie about Benghazi? Oh, 13 Hours? Thirteen, Yeah, 13 Hours. That yeah, was I didn't what think I thought about of. that one. We had a list of movies that reminded me of. I didn't think of that one. That makes sense. Yeah, so... All right, so what grabbed y'all with the movie? Like, what was some of y'all first impressions when you first started watching it? I'll go. So, like, the the opening shots were really cool because, like, it was just cool scenery of, uh, what was it, there in the Congo. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just really, it was really pretty. It was, um, it looked like it was shot on film, but it wasn't. I could it was shot by a uh, digital, but it was uh right off the bat it looked it looked good. It looked like the overall look and, and the, the color that they chose, the grittiness looked really cool. Really brought me in. And then like but uh, I don't know if James even is expecting this, but my my biggest issue I ever have with the movie is narration. And it was like one of the first things they show up with. And mm-hmm. they have, they have like, we're like tech saying like, mm-hmm. this is, this is what's happening. Um, and, and it's just my biggest, my, my biggest gripe about movies. And they ended up explaining the exact same thing that they showed in the text later on in the movie, like, uh, or not that later, but like when they're getting ready to deploy out to that UN compound, he, his speech told them the whole story that was played out at the beginning. But, yeah, so, so, no so off the bat, that. I was like, uh. I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's annoying when they go with the the tell instead of the show, especially when they show you after they tell you. And I just yeah, exactly. And and I I just wish there was a war or battle or some kind of movie that explained all the history and stuff through the story. And it's very rare. And some of my favorite war movies don't even do that. So. Yeah, and just looking, thinking from like a writer's perspective, it'd be, you'd have to, I think it would get old if you did it all with dialogue. So then, of course, you try and do it through storytelling elements, whether it's like transitions well, or, or like a radio, a radio, you could hear the radio, yeah, exactly. Or even like propaganda posters or, you yeah. know, like there's ways you could do it, but man, that'd be some gymnastics, you know, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of pressure to just like, no, 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 focus on this or something, you know? Well, I feel like they did it in this movie. I feel yeah, like they extent. were able to do it through the dialogue and all that stuff, and they they would have been just fine without the narration and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah think about it. Um, Let me think. A movie, like, like Saving Private Ryan didn't have any... Yeah, that's one of the only ones I can think of. That, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that's the only one I could think of as well. But... Oh, okay. So from the opening scene, because I've deployed to Africa before and um, we oh, flew yeah, into the in, Congo. Uh, Rwanda, weren't you? Yeah, Rwanda. So we, when we flew into the Congo, like, you know, that was, well, our first stop was in Morocco. And like the first time all we saw was the airport. So there wasn't no, no beautiful scenery or anything like that. But then when we flew into the Congo, I mean, of course, like, you know, you think you're going to Africa, you're going to see lions and and giraffe and like you know all that stuff Africa's just, fucking huge what are you talking about exactly that's what I'm saying so we flew in and we didn't see anything and we flew into the Congo and then when we flew to Rwanda it was like like totally different I mean it was like New York in in Africa I guess you could say but um yeah the scenery was nice I mean the opening scene opening scene was pretty good but okay so one thing that jumped out at me. It was the bar scene, mm-hmm. and him and the other. What was it? The mercenary, but he was ex military. Oh, like the the bar scene later on, or the first one? The it was no the first one. Well, the first one when he was talking to the guy and he was like, "Have a real drink." They were drinking beers. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, have a real drink. And he t- um, they were going back and forth. And the French dude, I wrote on my notes, the French asshole. <laughs> mm-hmm. He said, um, what did he tell him? He said, Mr. Gray told him, he says it took Rama only two weeks to take France. And then he got pissed off. Yeah. Oh, because like, he quoted Rommel. Yeah. 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 yeah and, and, and the French didn't like the Germans too much. Yeah. The French mercenary is basically showing his uh, history background knowledge as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, his war knowledge as well. And, yeah. and then, it's I funny mean, it was, because. Uh-huh. Oh, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. You good. Um, so in the very first tavern scene before they yeah. deploy, he's talking about Caesar and the difference between a soldier and a politician and all this stuff. And it's just, I thought they actually did a really good job capturing uh, an infantry officer because I've worked with a few and they all are all about fucking having their noses buried in military strategy and books about historic battles and historic leaders and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, one of the most prolific ones I could think of was like this. And Griggs, you worked with him too. Uh, he was a Marine Corps colonel, recon, and did some Delta oh, yeah. shit too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. that dude was a fucking bottomless well of military knowledge, knowledge in terms yes. of philosophy and strategy and just the guy was extremely intelligent for being a fucking grunt you know what i mean like he was a marine's marine but man that guy fucking knew everything so i i was actually really impressed to an extent that they kind of captured that aspect of him uh, i appreciated it anyway from an actual military standpoint yeah. being enlisted and everything i thought that was pretty cool and um a lot of the enlisted guys don't understand why officers spend all the time in the books and all that you know i mean the joke is like you can't spell loss without lt and a lot of officers get bad raps <laughs> yeah and a big theme for this whole movie was you know this was a um a virgin army as they kept calling them they were a greenhorn um, unit like they'd never seen virgins. combat <laughs> yeah like they'd only fucking read about it and it was interesting to see how they kind of peppered that in throughout the whole film i thought it was good yeah and and the yeah the first bar scene <clears throat> where he's talking about all the stuff he knows i think that was like very important because the rest of the movie it kept going back and forth between that very uh concept that the politicians they do the the strategy and they mm-hmm. do all the behind the scenes stuff and then the military people do the tactics and caesar was good at both <clears throat> so it was, it was really cool because it set the tone and then like um the rest of the movie it kept playing playing into it and there was even a line when they had their little ceasefire and like walked out with their french white flag and they said uh he said let the politicians sort it out um Cause there was this moment at that point where they're like, yeah, I got to shoot you. You got to shoot me. I get it. It's not personal. Um, and then that, that is the huge politics side of it that I really enjoyed that they, they pulled it off. It reminded in that aspect of it kind of reminded me of we were soldiers. Yeah, I can agree with that. The whole, I'm a soldier, you're a soldier. I'm doing my duty for my country mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, the only extent, though, is the French dude was a mercenary. He was literally right, there right. for a paycheck. Well, and he, they both thought they were doing it for good reasons. Right. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I have my orders. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's just it's an interesting dynamic because this takes place like 20 years post World War Two. Mm-hmm. So you got to wonder, like, did their fathers fight together, you know, to liberate France? And right. I was like, <laughs> that would have been a pretty I don't know how they would have introduced that to the story, but I had fun thinking about that. that you know yeah. maybe their their forefathers or something like that met before well and they could have done something yeah. like oh yeah. your dad fought in this battalion and my yeah. dad was fought with that or whatever you know yeah that guy was a dick though man that fucking he was yeah. a huge he was a, i he wouldn't was have trusted him after the first time <laughs> he was he, he had i even like that that stuck out of me because he had like villainous music i was missing like a twirly mustache when he was talking yeah. to him was <laughs> he like, was all he was always dirty and gritty and <clears throat> yeah, you know like Heavy if you want to make it look eyes. like these are these are equals and they're just you know following orders and they should have been the same yeah. and, and not like some evil music with a cat on his lap sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, tell me, what y'all think about the opening scene when they like kidnapped the um the guy in the car? I was confused. The same thing with me. That's that's the reason like I, I asked. I didn't know who anybody was. Like exactly. it, it didn't say, "Hey, uh, Congo president" or whatever yeah, his his or role was. Like whatever, prime minister, yeah. yeah. And I didn't know who he was until like oh, two thirds of the movie. Because then exactly. he's like, "And then you assassinate the guy, or whatever." Or he had no idea that he was going to be assassinated. 
uh, yeah, it took all the way up to that point. I, maybe I missed it because I was watching my son no, too. Right. But no, it's and it was interesting that they did such a, a show and tell on other aspects mm-hmm. of it. But they yeah, didn't that's what I'm saying. Like, a ton of information consistent. regarding that. Yeah, and so yeah. I mean, I I guess I kind of figured it out because I was like, why would a dude in a suit assassinate another dude in a suit? Oh yeah, we're talking about fucking Africa because they yeah. have a new president general. Hefe, whatever, like every 36 <laughs> days, like Hefe. fucking, I mean, it reminded me a lot of the whole, um, Black Hawk down, you know, yeah, that Ranger uh, bullshit. Yeah. Maybe. That's where I got Black Hawk down in my game. Yeah. And then the whole behind oh, the scenes ahead. thing with like the, the minerals, like the, what did they say? Copper, cobalt and, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. Copper which was necessary else. for like heavy weapon systems like nuclear weapons and shit which is it's provides such a cool perspective on the whole cold war because you know when i think of cold war personally you know i didn't grow up during those times and fucking honestly i haven't read a ton about it so i know kennedy bay of pigs i know about blacklisting people yeah. and you know the fucking berlin wall and all this shit like i you know like yeah, there's, I, there's yeah. so much more that went on yeah, behind yeah. the scenes. And that's why like, I appreciate these kind of movies. Yeah, totally. I had no idea that this whole thing even took place until I watched this movie for the first time. And I mean, it's, I don't know, man, being military and having respect for just military operations and understanding that duty and like the sacrifice that, you know, those who have gone before us have made and all this shit. Like, I feel I feel for these guys like Alpha Company. Like, how shitty would it be to be fucking abandoned by not only your government but also the United Nations, and then you exactly. don't even get fucking recognized for it until like half a century later? And it goes before that too. They sent them to like a house that has a bunch of recycled World War II weapons, plastic like helmets, plastic. <laughs> if they even got helmets, most of them didn't yeah. even have helmets. Food yeah. no, that wasn't even edible, and it was just yeah. yeah. Speaking of those weapons, I don't know if you guys saw this in the trivia, but some of those weapons were the original weapons that were used in the actual siege of Jadaville. Like they matched the serial numbers up and everything. Like, Damn. How fucking cool. crazy is that, dude? That's that cool, just, but I don't yeah. know that that enhances the story at all. As long well, as, like, because you're not going to know that until, yeah. <laughs> you know, it but is interesting, though. Yeah. But yeah, man, like. And it just it just got me wondering the whole bullshit with the fucking the dude from the Kingsman. <laughs> I can't remember his name in the Kingsman. Oh, Strong. That's his yeah, last yeah. name. Was his <laughs> yeah, name? I don't remember O'Brien. his name in the Kingsman. Dr. O'Brien. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, we just watched the second Kingsman too. It was pretty good. Anyway, uh, it, man, I so so there's speculation that it was the Americans that shot down the uh, yeah Secretary General of the UN, like. Yeah, we no. were into some some shady shit back then oh, too. Yeah. yeah, bro. So major shady shit. I mean, we've you know how many governments that we've like not officially <laughs> overthrown, but can be speculated. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't directly do anything. It was all indirect and covert and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, oh, it's just crazy, dude. Iran, Cuba, Panama, Afghanistan, the, Afghanistan, shit, all Iraq. For that, yeah. Iraq, fucking yeah. the Congo, which I think is now like the Democratic Republic of Africa, right? It's not even it, called it, the, it's still called them. They have, it's, I believe, the Central Republic of Africa. They have the Central and the Democratic Republic okay. of Congo. <laughs> well, what, I mean, but why? Yeah, but well, yeah, but Sudan's split too now. It's North and South Sudan. South Sudan yeah. yeah, and like it's for the it's, copper, cobalt, and uranium. Yeah, so that's what's crazy, dude. It's like these wars are. It hasn't changed. Warfare hasn't changed. It's not just killing people for the sake of killing people, man. It's always been about resources. Always. Exactly. Whether it's territory, um, gold, you know, farmlands, mm-hmm. like Oil. it's always been about resources and it's just the resources tend to get broader and broader. You know, I mean, people criticize the original war in Iraq for oil and all this shit, you know, and then the whole WMD fiasco. Yeah. But ultimately it comes down to resources. And what's interesting is like, we only get like 10 to 15% of our oil from the middle East. You know who else, who who gets the rest of it is the fucking, the rest of the UN dude, China, Japan, Japan, England, France, like, (laughs) like it's all about resources, man. So I was talking to the Ghanaian warlord at work like um, (laughs) the other day 
And I asked him about this and he was like, man, he says this shit happens all the time in Africa. They says that like, you know, okay, like let's say I was in charge of, let's just say Sudan or whatever. And my people own the land where the resources were. He said that basically they will give him 10 to $15 million, give you a nice house in France or England or the, um, or somewhere else. And you just basically give them your land. Mm-hmm. Right. And they make billions off of this shit. So. Yeah. So I got a buddy that grew up in Nigeria and he said that the Chinese were making all kinds of crazy moves in there, dude, setting up schools, hospitals, shopping centers, like making a huge presence, you know, and that's all just warfare on a whole nother level. Yeah. man. that's like that political psychological shit where you're gaining the, you know, the rapport of the people and all this stuff and showing them that you're setting up infrastructure so that, you know, shit goes it's down. It's like, like, it's like mobster level shit. It's like indentured. It really yeah. it really totally is. right. <laughs> Yeah, so just this movie just got me thinking about all those what ifs and possibilities and I wonders, you know. Yeah, um, it's yeah, crazy, and like man. you said, all the details of this wasn't even is not even agreed to be a hundred percent exactly like the plane crash and that nobody died. Like there's there's a lot going on in this story that even the yeah. filmmakers couldn't find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Apparently, one of the actors was the grandfather of. Or the grandson, sorry, of uh, <laughs> time travel. He's a time traveler, so Co- Commandant Quinlan. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, okay, so I, I don't know if we went over. It. Did I give y'all ups yet, or like? Yeah, just kind of sprinkled in there. Yeah, I mean, okay. so what's something you found good about the movie, then, Jones? Uh, I, I said it earlier, but they really did a good job of setting up the um the commandant as, as a war uh, historian and a battle historian. And I, I thought that was perfectly done. And, and I kept finding it like it, it felt exactly like we were soldiers, like the whole movie to me, at least because he was a war historian. The other guy was, uh, they were, you know, they were both, they were both respected each other and they were both, uh, outnumbered, undermanned, underarmed, all that kind of stuff. And, I kept drawing parallels. So it, it was kind of a negative in that sense, but in all the, I don't know, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed the, the war historian part. And then you kept seeing it sprinkled into his decisions. They didn't just say, Hey, he knows history. They actually, right. they actually showed it in, you know, Oh, I know that we could set the, we could do these fucking IEDs in this giant and bring them in and trap them and blow up a good third of their troops. Like he, he really showed that he knew what he was doing. And I believed it. It was really cool. And um, they they really, yeah, I mean, that's that's basically the main the main thing. It encompasses everything like, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. <laughs> I but in all honesty, so, you know, you mentioned like, oh, we're outgunned, undermanned, yeah. outnumbered, all that. Like, sure, we've heard that story and seen that story multiple times. But mm-hmm. honestly, does that ever fucking get old? Like, I no. love watching no. shit like that. No, but that's what so. I'm saying. Like, this movie, I didn't want to... Fury 300, Troy, like, whatever it is, man. I didn't even want to um, take notes anymore. I just I wanted, wanted to, to sit yeah, down exactly. and watch it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put the paper down about halfway through. There's, no, there's, in, there's no, like, need to break down the story in this because there are certain times when you start watching a movie and you're like, all right, this is bullshit. I'm going to watch it for this, or this movie is trying to be a horror movie. I'm just going to watch it as a horror movie. Like I, you have to change how you watch a movie And this one. War movies. I just enjoy it or mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it depending like uh, the, the void or whatever the one we watched, but yeah, that one was, they didn't do enough war in that one. That was yeah. their problem. Yeah. But, but I just mean like, I don't, I don't take notes the same way. And yeah, oh, for I just, sure, I just enjoyed I a lot of parts of this movie. Yeah, for me, I really actually enjoyed the pre-deployment scenes in terms of, I mean, the vaccination room. Like, we've all fucking been there, dude. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and I'm sure there's a lot more that went on, but I wrote down, like, I thought it was funny. Like, I thought their entire pre-deployment checklist was just to get a shot in their butt because it's, yeah. like, the only thing they showed. It's like a montage of everybody getting a shot, and that's it. And then they're, like, getting their, their rousing speech, but... Fucking... Yeah, so I had a I had a few positives, and the majority of them were actual lines of dialogue that went with scenes. But the fucking mm-hmm. the one Irish soldier's like, so you know, uh, I'm deploying off the war, like talking. To the <laughs> He's flirting with the nurse, <laughs> giving him a shot in the ass. <laughs> Dude, that that made me chuckle. 
the bar scene was was pretty good and uh i thought it was so the i mean i'm not irish I'm not from europe i haven't spent any time over there but warfare is very old for those countries. America is, as itself is a pretty young fucking country in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things. Mm-hmm. We're like 200 and some change, you know? So those countries go way back with their warfare and they, there's a lot of traditions and customs and courtesies. And you know, the U S totally built our military off of that shit, the French and the English for sure. So it was, I thought it was really cool how they had the, uh, you know, they sit down in the bar, they're talking it wasn't uncommon for enemy generals to fucking have a meal together before the battle yeah. starts, you know, like they would do these diplomatic relations before they're even going to go fight and then going out and meeting on the field and, you know, addressing mm-hmm. terms of ceasefires and let us gather our dead, which of course ended up being a fucking trick, which is why I would never trust that guy ever again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I thought it was cool how they kind of peppered in that tradition it was still, you know, because we don't see that anymore in, in the modern styles of war. It's all underhandedness. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have a fucking uniform on. You can't shoot me. Let me run to this house real quick and grab an AK and fucking spray your Humvee down, though, you know, and then walk out like nothing happened. It's all this just it's dishonorable. They still had honor, mm-hmm. you know, in this. And I, I, I like that they threw that in there. But man, some of these one liners were on point and it was because they were delivered in a manner that it wasn't like the stereotypical Arnold style one liner, you know? Yeah. Like it was just woven in very well. <laughs> so because yeah, we'll, it, it makes sense to the, it makes sense to the characters and their, their situation and everything. Oh, for sure. man. so when they're, you know, the, I think it was the second or the third time that they've been attacked and they're in the trenches and they're running low on ammo, the dude on the machine gun, says pick your shots because i'm gonna fucking charge you for every bullet that misses <laughs> like, yeah like that's like that's what you're doing like in those situations like you're still finding humor and that's your way of coping with what the fuck's going on exactly like yeah. when the hyena was dead and they were looking at me said would you like to say a few words <laughs> yeah exactly and yeah. then you know, when they see all the dudes coming down the hill and his only thought is, well, if they get close enough for hand-to-hand combat, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Not the fact that there's like literally like 3,000 troops running at you right now, but he's worried about them getting close enough for hand-to-hand. And then uh, I really like the line because, you know, this is all about desperation and an unbeatable situation. And he, you know, when he goes out to basically... Ad- you know, um, negotiate the terms of the surrender. Uh, he says, well, you're, you're not of authority to accept surrender, mm-hmm. but I am, you know, kind of like a, Hey, fuck you yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And then the, the next time they do it, he comes back and his, essentially it was his platoon sergeant, uh, says, well, we've used every bullet twice. And I thought that was a fucking great line. Cause they yeah, literally use right. the shells as an, Oh ID. yeah. As an ID. Yeah, like that was such a fucking great line. So what do you want us to do? But that just also said in terms of we've literally fucking done everything we can. Like we we have nothing left. We're like, what's the plan? And that was a great scene just because he literally asked his men. He's like, do you guys want to surrender? And every single one of them is like, fuck no. And he's yeah. like, well, it's a good thing I'm in charge. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like and the part when he was, he said, catch me up. He said, sniper, catch me up. And then he ran, like, jumped next to him. He said, fuckers came out of nowhere and started shooting. And then, like, he's looking at him like, okay, so what else went on? And he just yeah. turns like, where's over my actual intel? Yeah. You're, you're caught up. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was like, they, I thought they did a really good job kind of representing yeah. the the chaos, but also the, the, the controlled aspect of the soldiers. Because they were, they were good soldiers and they stayed mm-hmm. in their positions and they did what they did. And you know i thought it was really good and then um fuck i lost my thought my train just totally got derailed dude think about it i thought of other ones yeah yeah yeah. just the the little tag i wrote a bunch of different little of the tactics they used like where they saw the jet coming in and they lifted the jeep on the side yeah and they used that gun as a like an aa gun sort of thing yeah that That was was pretty dope that was and uh and then, like you know, the the commandant is just using his on the on the on the fly knowledge of of tactics and stuff. So he noticed that this one 
dude in a white suit is yelling commands and they're all looking at him. Carl so Sanders, like, that's what I call right? him. <laughs> <laughs> well, and in the, in, the, in the credits or whatever, he's called man in the white suit. Like he doesn't oh. have a name. But uh, he, he shoots him and, and uh, they, they all cease fire. So like it was just, I like those little things where he, he immediately recognized something and made a, made a quick, quick decision and, and his troops followed. Yeah. Well disciplined sure. troops too. So my last, my last up, hopefully I didn't steal a bunch or didn't take this one from anybody, but I really liked that this wasn't your typical victory style ending. Mm-hmm. They surrender and then they're taken prisoner for 30 days. Yeah. Like I enjoyed that because it, it, you know, that's kind of the true nature is not every battle is glorious and not every fucking thing results in a victory. Someone's got to lose. Someone always has the good to guys, lose. The good guys have to lose. Yeah. And so I really, granted, of course, it was a true story and that's what actually played out. But I enjoyed that that's what it was. And uh, fucking massive kudos to that commandant. He literally didn't lose anybody in that battle, which is fucking nuts considering the, the odds they were facing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what about some of the downs? <laughs> Cause I didn't have, I didn't have too many as far as downs or let me take that back. I didn't have any downs looking on the back of my little note list. I had none. I pretty much said all mine, like the, the narration at the beginning and how redundant it was. Cause they ended up explaining it through dialogue later on. And like, I, I kept drawing parallels to other movies and I wonder if they took, um, like the successful parts of other war movies, the non saving private Ryan war movies mm-hmm. and, uh, and kind of tried to use some of them. And I feel like, I don't know, that's kind of nitpicking and it's kind of unfair of me to say that, but I feel like because I kept drawing these, these comparisons that it was kind of a down for me, but I don't know. I agree though, man. And, and looking at it, this was this director's first and only movie. He's done a yeah. bunch of music videos, but other than that, and fucking hats off to him because yeah. we've <laughs> seen some so shittier is, movies with more experienced directors. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I, I definitely don't want to take anything away from the guy. Like, this yeah. is this is one of my more favorite movies that we've done on this podcast. Yeah. That's and okay. yeah, definitely hats off to the guy. It's just, I could see how it would parallel a lot of these great movies because he's a music video guy mm-hmm. and he's, well, I got to make a war film. What works in a war film? Oh, exactly. let's do this, this, and this, and this, you know? And, uh, like I said, for me, that shit doesn't get old though. Like I could, yeah. <laughs> I could watch yeah, this. That's why, back that's why I don't even okay. want to call it a down. Like, yeah. Okay. So maybe y'all can make or clarify this for me. Okay. So when the Indian army went in. Oh yeah. Those oh my guys. God. Motherfuckers. And they said the that they were the only ones with any war experience. So we're looking for you to, um, like, you know, show yeah. everybody how it's done or whatever, but they, they basically started all of this shit, didn't they? Yeah. Okay. Uh, essentially. I mean, everything was already on tilt anyway, and they didn't like that the, the Irish were there. It was just like a spark. Okay. I feel like it was like an excuse for them to do it. Yeah. But it's true, though, because they were the only ones with any combat experience. Like, you got to remember, like, you had World War II and then Vietnam and then nothing. Mm-hmm. So, they like, a lot of these countries, especially the UN, went 20-plus years with no combat. So, I mean, and we saw that with the Gulf War and then Iraq. We mm-hmm. had a bunch of NCOs that had never led in, in mm-hmm. battle, a bunch of infantry officers that had never led in battle. And all of a sudden you're getting thrust into this crazy ass, non-traditional style military fighting. And yeah. so, yeah, it was interesting. I honestly wish they would have expanded a little bit more on that, given some more history in terms of why that Sikh guy was there and the Indian army was involved. And, you know, I grant I could go read it, but if you're going to introduce something to me, at least explain it to me a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, I think my biggest down for the film is once again, missed opportunity. Mm -hmm. So when they're doing the, the pre-deployment stuff, there's a great scene where they're on the airfield and everyone's doing the, the traditional, like say goodbye to your family before you head out and all this shit. And they, they did a really good job, but it was so just quick and short lived 
So they had all these different family perspectives, right? They had the commandant say goodbye to his wife. And of course, like neither of them wanted to leave, but he has a duty and she understands that. And then you go to a mom and her son and he cusses <laughs> and she's like, you better watch your fucking mouth in the Congo and all this, yeah. you know? So you got like the mother son relationship. And then you go to another soldier who's there with his dad and his dad looks like he doesn't fucking care anything to be there. Exactly. And he's like, Hey, your mom's going to miss you. Hey, she loves you. Like nothing from him though. It's all about the mom, you know? And she be praying for you. Yeah. Like I love seeing those different perspectives because this kid's getting ready to go to war, man. And his dad can't even say, Hey, I'm proud of you. Or, Hey, I love you. Or, Hey, be safe. Cause the kid even told him I had a dream. I'm going to die over there. And the only thing that dad brings up is like, Oh, well, your mom's going to pray for you. And I just love that they showed these different perspectives. Cause that shit's legit, man. Like yeah. that's, just, that's, that happens. And it's, it's just, it's crazy. And I wish they would have just, kind of expanded just for some character development or some added emotional content you know yeah i don't agree with you on that because i didn't know any of the characters like i do right and again i kept comparing to other movies i i didn't know any of the characters like i knew all of the characters in black hawk down mm-hmm. or all of the characters and we were soldiers and then so like maybe it's because they didn't die and maybe they didn't feel like you had to build this strong emotional connection because when they die then you feel it too but yeah i don't know yeah i feel like they could have done a lot more um getting me you know to feel for these people and to be afraid for their lives and stuff right yeah for sure what, that was, that was probably about, my biggest good. down what you saying about black hawk down the helicopter scene now, now since you said it that's the only thing that i could think of like that i would mark as a down like when you when the guy fell out the helicopter yeah and it was yeah. just like the scene from when who was it who was it? It was Orlando Bloom. The fucking elf. That's who it was that fell out the damn. Goddamn Legolas. You can slide down a fucking set of stairs on a shield, but you can't <laughs> grab a fucking rope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And technically you're supposed to you're supposed to have hands on that rope at all times because I was air assault. And like right, no matter yeah. what's going on, you're supposed to have a hand on it. But yeah, you've been trained to fast rope. Yeah, so but, and he was a ranger too, so he'd done a ton of fast roping. Well, so, so you would think maybe he was a war virgin like these guys, but um, yeah, oh, well, he definitely was fresh out of ranger school in that movie. You know, my father was. was we, hadn't, we hadn't seen any. They didn't. Our country hadn't seen any combat. It was like the same thing. Yeah, we hadn't seen anything, and Mogadishu was like the first thing since really the Gulf War that we'd done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my father-in-law was part of Task Force Ranger. He uh, he knew Master Sergeant Gordon, which was one of the snipers that went and protected the helicopter pilot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a purple heart and shit from there. Pretty crazy. I, th- I think it's from there. I can't remember. He's got some. He was JSOC, so Joint Special Operation Commands and Marine Recon. So he was like a part of a bunch of shit. But yeah, he was part of Task Force Ranger and stuff. Crazy. Shit that I do not want to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. Fuck all that, man. Well, I did, but those that windows or that door, I should say, is shut. So, but it is what it is, man. But yeah, this movie was pretty awesome, dude. To say the least, I honestly don't have any severe negatives other than I wanted some more character development. And it was a two hour movie, like, yeah, just yeah, hour and 48 or something like that. Yeah, it was definitely long enough to pull that off. Even some character development on the fucking villain, dude. Like, mm-hmm. why was a Frenchman there leading a, a, an army of mercenaries and locals? You know, like, what was in it for him besides a paycheck? You had to have some reason that you would, you know, literally abandon your country in a sense and the UN and the things they stood for. It depends on how big that paycheck was, though. <laughs> right. But they even could have gone into depths in terms of. You know, when he's like, hey, well, yeah, and he conquered your country in, you know, what was it, two weeks or some shit? Yeah, exactly. Um, And he's like, yeah, that's why I'm here fighting, because other countries invading those, you know, those that don't belong to them or something like that. You know, he could have used that as a a reason to why he is a mercenary, because he's trying to stick up for the little guy or something. You know what I mean? They could have added some sort of spin to it just Mm -hmm. to give him another, like, level of complexity, I feel like. Now the, the guy that I would like to see get expanded on was the platoon sergeant. Like, yeah, 
<laughs> Shit, he Mr. Was, High and Tight himself. Exactly. Like he, he seemed like he had battle experience, didn't he? Uh, uh, or just, or he was just a bad, a bad <laughs> motherfucker, man. I mean, the dude was. Shit, he was bad. Dude was yeah, tough as seems, nails, man. He seemed salty as fuck, too. And there was an interesting scene that they didn't touch on. So when they first get attacked and he ends up bringing the, the technical, right? He pulls the, the Jeep up and starts shooting off the back on that turret uh-huh. and ends up like pushing back the first assault. He looks over at the commandant and gives him a dirty fucking look. Yeah, like you don't know what the of, fuck you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Like in terms of I shouldn't be having to fucking stop this you sh- you need to step up and do your job but they never went back to that mm-hmm. and i wanted I, like i don't know i would have liked to have seen some dialogue between them but he or, kept he gave him a bunch of dirty looks like you know f- through the first part I yeah mean, he gave him a time, bunch that i didn't understand too like yeah there's there no a context. few that i didn't get the right re- yeah exactly maybe it got cut from the movie could have maybe he just has rbf dude <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe that's just, just his face has to have a dramatic exit <laughs> like that's his thing yeah. Looking over his shoulder as he walks off. Yeah. But I like the part when he also jumped in the ditch and was like, out you fuckers with the um <laughs> with the snakes. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't reach your fucking manuals, they're not poisonous, and just starts throwing. <laughs> but I was like, shit. Oh man, and they talked back to him. I was so afraid for them. Yeah. Like, I yeah. don't know, man. I wouldn't I wouldn't have done that. Nah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like I'm not I'm not a part of their military, so I don't know how their situation is. And I, you know, I've never been in a deployed setting, so it might even be like that. Maybe. I mean, who knows? I don't, I don't know, man. I've only worked with them on the state side. So, and I work in a super casual environment. I only work with them in PUBG. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm an expert. Yeah. Well, everybody's an expert there, so. It was, they, they, they definitely had some, so apparently they sent the uh, the whole cast to go do military style training in South Africa. Yeah, they looked mm-hmm. comfortable with their weapons and like their movements and stuff. So yeah, I definitely appreciate that because there's a lot of fucking action movies out there where people do not even know how to hold a weapon correctly or mm-hmm. take a proper stance and just all kinds of shit. So I was glad to see that. But it's going back to Saving Private Ryan, though, it creates that bond and that dynamic amongst the, the cast when they've been through situations yeah, like that. That's true. And they, you know, they made Tom Hanks like the leader of his, his group, you know, and they train that way. Mm-hmm. So then when they're on screen, you get that comfortable relationship, you know, and they kind of did the same thing here. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. They definitely, one, their camaraderie felt authentic for sure. Mm-hmm. One part that I did find hilarious and was the little whistle. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the retreat whistle. Yes. <laughs> I mean, every time it was blowing, um, it was yeah, it was funny. And um, every time he called ceasefire, you'd hear bah. Yeah, bah. <laughs> ceasefire. <laughs> bah. Bah. Ceasefire. I mean, yeah, but and that could just go into the detail of uh, you know, they knew that this team was very raw, so. Yeah, that was even a strategy or a strategy point, I should say, for the villain, since that's what we're calling him. He told him, he's like, this is this is a non combat experience unit. Like we we have 20 times their numbers. Like we'll roll over them in a single single operation. You know, what I don't understand is they had them completely. they, They had like a circle around the compound. Why did they come straight at him the whole time? Overconfidence. Yeah. Lack of training. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like if I had those numbers. Split them up into four, yeah. <laughs> surround yeah. the compound, and you're you won. You're going home before dinner. Well, I think yeah. they did try that when they were coming around the back, and they um they were picking up the wound, and they were d- dropping them off. They well, it seemed like they were trying to flank them a little bit. I mean, but you would think with their numbers, I mean, shit. When they when you looked up the hill, yeah, it was like a fucking wave of zombies coming down. And I mean, it was <laughs> like shot. Yeah, you couldn't see. Uh, you couldn't see anything but them. And um, what happened with the lady? That's what I was like. Because wasn't her house like right there where they were? No, it was a little bit further in town, I think. Because okay. remember the uh, platoon sergeant had to drive across that bridge that the UN got stuck mm-hmm. on. Oh, that's what it was. And then, yeah, to use the, when he went over there to use the phone. No, yeah. I think she was only in the movies so that he can use the phone. Yeah, yeah. it was. Because they set her up at the shop. Hey, we need yeah. food. 
Yeah. Like that's one of those sense, afterthought though. things that you put into a script. Oh, why why is he going to this house? Oh, let's let's add her in earlier. I think it would have been better if like they only had one building there that had a telephone line run into it and they had one phone and it was like the first building that got blown up. Yeah. I would have appreciated that. It would have been comedic and it would have made sense in the story. <laughs> and it would have been fucked up. <laughs> yeah, for real. Like. Yeah. Well, and, and whoever has a radio connection has like a huge advantage. And if you don't have radio, then you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't matter in the radio, dude. The fucking UN wasn't answering back. Yeah. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Barton was an asshole, man. Mm-hmm. Um, what the hell was his name again? General, General something. General asshole. <laughs> General dick bag Man. you want to pull it up jones you want me to do it I, i'm pulling it up right now yeah, right. see i got if you can see me now you see my arms in the air flailing <laughs> but but yeah i mean so now like um just my like my kind of final thoughts uh, mm-hmm. i basically am so happy that we get to fucking do this because if I'm like, man, I want to watch a movie. What do I want to watch? The first thing that pops in my mind is something that I are, have I've heard of before, or mm-hmm. maybe something that somebody says, Hey, I saw this. You should watch it like word of mouth thing. But we've, we get the opportunity to watch something that none of us have ever heard of. Well, not in this case, but, um, and we get to break it down differently. And so I'm just really excited that we got to, to watch this movie and, uh, we also get to watch shitty movies and we get to watch, <laughs> Oscar winning movies and it's just really cool that we get to do this. Yeah, I agree. And then for in terms of this, this movie's a sin or not a sin. Uh definitely not a sin. Yeah. Uh, definitely I not could, a sin. Yeah, I could watch was, these kind of stories fucking over and over again, dude. Was this released in the um theaters? I think it was a limited release. Uh it, was, it says October on the IMDb page, but they did screenings in uh July for it. Yeah, so it um it was released in a, a film festival in Ireland first, and then it was released on Netflix. So there was no there was no um theatrical release or anything. Damn, because this this is one that I would I would probably see. I might see it twice. <laughs> I need to watch it again because I watched it you know while I'm watching my son, so I missed a lot of the really cool stuff. Just need to like wait till he goes to bed. Yeah. Anyway, final thoughts. Great movie. It's not a sin. Is like I said the other week. It's a sin if you don't watch it. So, <laughs> which is basically it. Thank okay, so I, I pull up the Netflix roulette, and here I got to scroll down. Let's see. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I think Jones already had something pulled up. Oh, he already has something, Jones. Yeah. Okay. I did. All right. So uh, we got a. We got a. A thriller, um, mm. comedy, independent, mm. oh. <laughs> and it's only eighty-seven minutes long, so it should be good. Oh. It's uh, humiliation and pain are the name of the game in this thriller. When two friends take on strange series of dares in exchange for cash, Fiverr the movie. No, uh, the movie is called Cheap Thrills. Uh, two thousand thirteen. Listed as comedy independent thriller. So, oh, it's got the dude from Take Me in it, Pat Healy. Oh, <laughs> is he yes, like the main <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. And his fucking name is Craig Daniels, aka Daniel Craig, wannabe. Nice. And then also has that dude that talks out the side of his mouth. Um, Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> from uh, uh, from fucking what's his name David Keckner in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David Keckner, yeah. The Pac Man. It's a big yeah. Chiefs fan, my boy. Yeah, he's funny. Sarah Paxson, she sounds familiar. The fucking. I don't know, but this is the second movie with Pat Healy where uh, they take on Last House on the Left. Okay. They do things for money that are not normal. He Maybe didn't direct this uh, one, did he? No. Okay. E-L, E-L cats, cats with a Z. What the f- oh, looking at his history, I'm not too excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's short, short, short. ABC's short, of like death. That's, yeah. Horror um, anthology. Wonderful. Pop skull. Oh, he was a writer for that one. Okay. Anyway, he looks like an interesting guy, to say the least. 
He's got a graveyard sleeve. Interesting. Graveyard sleeve. Yeah, like his right arm has a sleeve and it's oh. like a graveyard setting, like a cemetery. Right. So he got his start in the industry working as a horror slash music journalist. Hmm. That's like um Anthony C. Ferrante. He was a film journalist. Turned screen screenwriter. Yeah. 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 Interesting. The budget for this movie was two hundred thousand dollars. No, nice. It's got a fucking. It's, it's almost got, seven yeah, out of ten on Netflix yeah, or uh, IMDb. It looks promising. It, yeah, in that not it's gonna, not. It it's not anything that is shitty. I, I yeah. Let's not get it. I I just want to watch it and then we'll talk about. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna open mind. Open mind. Yeah. Open mind. Like Greg okay. says, no preconceived ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm about to watch it in a couple minutes. So I'm about to go the fuck to bed because I got to get up in like six hours so I can make breakfast that I can't eat. <laughs> it's the it's the the diet where you just cook food and look at it. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. Until you lose weight. Cause my fucking I got to get up so I can cook breakfast and get to work on time. But my fucking my fasting window doesn't allow me to eat until twelve, 12 noon. O'clock. So and pretty guys y'all can get cool. busy at work. So. I'll fucking shut shit down, dude. I'm. You don't want to see a hangry James. Okay. Go to sevenearlysins.com. Uh, we also got a Facebook page, Seven Early Sins. Um, there's, there's all the all the other stuff's kind of taking a back burner for the moment, but we're not done yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, day late game has turned into a month late. No, nah, months, almost a year. But it's a month. The last time I streamed was like late December. Okay. So I just. The keto diet, man. All my time, all my free time is taken up by cooking. Like, that's all I fucking do. <laughs> but you don't eat. <laughs> <laughs> cooking food that you can't eat. Fucking, I watch a lot of Gordon Ramsay now. <laughs> Move your that ass, guy. donkey. We should start a podcast fucking reviewing Hell's Kitchen episodes, dude. Uh, or anything he does. So, like, um, uh, Kitchen Nightmares. Love that, man. Yeah. yeah How many shows does he have now? It's got the UK version of Kitchen Nightmares, the US version of Kitchen Nightmares, like 14 seasons of Hell's Kitchen. He's got Hotel Hell, both a British and American version. Um, he's like a, I think that's it. He has a like a reality show too, where he spends time with his family. Oh, Master Chef. Oh yeah, and Master Chef. Yeah, and Master Chef. Yeah.